Welcome back to Brazil Crypto Report. Today I'm joined by Lucas Giorgio and Mateus Mora of BRLA Digital. We talk about how they're building a new Brazilian Realpeg stablecoin, as well as the growing adoption of stablecoins in Brazil. Great. So we are here today with Lucas and Mateus of BRLA Digital. Great to have you both here. Thanks for the invite, Aaron. Pleasure being here. Thanks for having us. Amazing, amazing. So to get started, uh, why don't you guys just give us a quick introduction of uh, who you are, what's your professional trajectory, your career, and then how did you get into crypto? Uh, Lucas, you want to go first? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, so basically, my name is Lucas. I'm CBDO and co-founder here at BRLA Digital. Uh, my background is is I'd say a little bit more boring in a sense, like it's a, it's a, tr a typical TradFi uh, a background. So so my entire career, I, I've worked, you know, I've worked at, at private equity shops such as Patra and Vichimentos here in Brazil. Um, recently, I, I, I worked for, I was actually Mateus' partner for seven years at a equities firm called Hicks Capital. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I started touching crypto right about, the first mania, which was like in 2016, but I really had absolutely no idea what I was doing. I was just like, you know, buying Bitcoin, thinking that, you know, it, it would moon soon. And, and you know, I, I obviously like most of the population invested and divested in the worst possible part. So so I had my my fair, you know, experience with crypto uh, in 2016-17, left it. And then in 2021 uh, uh, to 2022, uh, basically, me and Mateos, and we'll get into it, but me and Mateos and a couple of other partners, you know, decided to jump ship from the TradFi and, and join this this interesting uh, crypto space to, to, to start our first crypto venture. Amazing. Mateos, what about you? Uh, I came from the traditional market as well. So uh, I came from, I, I, I work at the BTG Pactual um, as my first job in operations side, credit credit risk, some, some kind of boring stuff as well. And then I moved to Higgs Capital when I met Lucas. He was my partner there for six years. And we we worked that together. It's It was a traditional equities fund. Uh, and then in, in 2021 to 2022, we moved out to start doing this endeavor in crypto. My, my beginning on crypto was in 2016. My thought was almost the same of everyone, Bitcoin is the new gold, so the price should be like 100x higher. Uh, and then I just bought it because of the speculation and weight. Uh, I didn't buy that much, so I'm not rich. Uh, but when in 2020, when the DeFi stuff started to get real, I created my first wallet and then I realized that the experience was as bad as uh, internet in 2000s, but I could foresee a lot of opportunities. So that's, that engaged me to start thinking about pivoting my career to focus 100% of my time in crypto space. Very cool. And now you both are just in it for the tech, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, always <laughs> for the easy. tech in my market. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, this is why you're building stable coins, right? So, uh, which are we talking about here? So, you know, you're not you know, stable coins. I guess, uh, you know, stable coins are designed to not appreciate or depreciate. So, uh, stable sort of value, right? Uh, so, so on that front, tell us a bit more about BRL, BRLA. I'll get the acronym right here eventually. Uh, so, 
maybe tell us a bit about how it came about. Um, and then, you know, what are you guys trying to do? And I feel like you guys have, you guys are a small team, but you guys are like everywhere. Every time I go to a conference or an event, there's always like guys in BRLA t-shirts. Guerrilla marketing, so, man. <laughs> so you guys are uh, definitely like punching above your weight here. So congratulations on that. But uh, uh, yeah, why don't you give us, Lucas, you want to tee off? Like what's the kind of the backstory behind BRLA here? Sure, sure. So so, so, so as I mentioned, uh, you know, me, Mateos, and so we're basically five founding partners here. Uh Four of the founding partners, including Mateos, they all studied together engineering in ETA, which is one of those leading engineering schools. Um, kind of all knew each other. Uh, we were all working tradfi jobs and, and kind of decided that, you know, this is an interesting space to start exploring something. Our, our first idea was actually we wanted to build a, a bank which used crypto as its rails to offer dollarized products to Brazilian clients, but with the Web 2 and a more traditional, like, like I'd say front end, but, but that's like, that was just kind of like our first idea. Uh, just, just to show you like, like where, you know, uh, where we came and maybe we'll go full circle, but uh, that was our first idea. Uh, and, and what we realized was one of the products we wanted to offer was based on a, a quantitative strategy that we used to have with our own personal capital. Um, and, and, and we kind of like looked at each other and, and said, you know, we all came from investment management firms. Uh, we know how it works. Maybe we should just get this like this, this kind of like hobby product and, and maybe just actually do a, a regulated fund. So, so, so that's what we did. So that was pretty boring as well. <laughs> but, you know, we basically were approved by Brazilian CVME, which is the Brazilian SEC. Uh, we were approved by, by Mbima. We actually opened a regulated asset management firm called Ada Capital. Uh, we launched our, our first fund. Um, and, and yeah, and, and we started off from there. So it's basically quantitative investment strategy. Uh, we had a little bit of a, a long bias as well uh, further down the road. But something that caught our attention was, first of all, you know, we always wanted to build something in crypto, like, you know, like it's sexy to build in crypto, right? Especially when it's something with purpose. So, so that was like the origin of our first idea. Um, and so we were always, you know, just looking into this crypto space. And 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 on one side, you're doing like the, the boring job of, you know, investing other people's money, which is it's interesting. But, you know, it's not like what we entered crypto for. And on the other hand, we're like looking at all these awesome projects and all of these things that, of course, there's a lot of garbage out there, but there's a lot of interesting stuff going on. We realized was that stablecoin, I mean, again, we can get into the market here and, and, and basically for who doesn't know the market, like dollar denominated stablecoins, they have been dominating for the last, ever since stablecoin started, right? And we're talking about two uh, uh, suspects here, which is USDT. Uh, by Tether and USDC by Circle. And what we realized was that doesn't actually converse with like normal life, right? When, when you get crypto, crypto is like 99.99% dollarized while traditional markets and just our lives aren't 99.99 dollarized. They are dollarized, but not as much as, as it is in crypto. And, and so during our endeavors, uh, you know, looking for uh, investment opportunities and just thinking about stuff, we realized that there's this opportunity to, you know, grow non-dollar stablecoins in the world. And, and the thesis was, you know, uh, uh, especially in countries which, which much like Brazil, for, for a number of reasons, the native population is very used to our, our fiat. So, so it's very different. Brazil is very different from like Argentina, which is just like, you know, absolute chaos. We don't need a deep dive in that rabbit hole. But in Brazil, people are very used to using like Brazilian reais. And, and so what we realized was, for you to invest in crypto in Brazil, or if you want to build a project in Brazil, like you have basically 
two huge barriers, which with the rest of the world only has actually one, which is the first thing is you have to convince your users to go to crypto. And I'm not speaking about like the crypto natives. I'm speaking about like general mass adoption. So how do you like achieve mass adoption in Brazil? The first thing is you have to convince people to go to crypto. But the second thing is, by the way, everything's in dollars. So it's kind of weird. Like, like you have to convince them to go to and think with a dollar mindset. So, so that's something we realized, you know, there's like a number of things and Mateus can compliment me, but we started realizing that, you know, if we did something which could help Brazilian users easily access crypto products and at the same time help international and, and, and interesting and, and awesome crypto projects come to Brazil and have this seamless integration, I think it's a home run and it, it helps everyone. So it'll help the mm -hmm. user, it'll help the investor, it'll help the projects, it'll help the companies and it'll help mass adoption. So that's kind of like when we just sat down and realized like there was something to do here, um, we we converged with the with 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 our mindset of starting BRLA as a extremely I'd say regulated in a sense. You know, we wanted to be close to the regulators, we wanted to be close to, to policymakers, uh, and then we'll get into more detail on that. But what we sat down, we said, you know, we wanted to do something a little bit more circle-like. Uh, of course, props to Tether for their size, but in the sense that you know, we wanted to be as transparent as possible, as close to regulators as possible, and kind of just like play by the book as possible. Uh, uh, I keep mentioning the word as possible just because you know, regulation is still coming out, and Brazil is pretty crypto-friendly, but we try to we try to play by the book. So, so, so that's kind of like where we sat down and just looked at each other and said, okay, perhaps we should pivot our business. And so what we did was we closed our investment manager, gave back all of our our, our clients capital back to them and just full-blown pivoted focus on 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 brla and eventually brla digital which is uh, uh i'd say is a it's a suite of of other offerings powered by our stablecoin which we can get into detail but i'd say like uh you know long story short that's the 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 the, the birth and, and and growth of of brla that's super interesting I, I think i remember i was even chatting with you back when you guys did the pivot because i think we had you know you had you know, we, we were catching up. Maybe I hadn't talked to you maybe like a month or so. And all I was like, oh, how's everything going with ADA? And then you're like, oh, we actually like closed it down and now we're doing a stable yeah. point. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. props to you guys on, you know, if I, you know, I mean, it's part of being a startup, right? Is you gotta, you gotta pivot when you see the need to pivot, right? And, and, and seize the opportunity while it exists. Um, and what I also find interesting is, is what you guys are doing. It kind of, it kind of goes against some of like the I guess maybe we'll call it like the the mainstream narrative around stable coins in Brazil, which is like, oh, Brazilians, they want to get out of the local currency because they're afraid of inflation and, and whatever. And they want to get into, you know, USDT or they want to get into like, you know, the BTG stable coin or, or, or whatever it might be. And and there's obvious reasons for, you know, there's obviously a use case there. Right. Uh, you know, I think obviously there's the there's the inflation hedge. There's I think Brazilians also just tend to like, you know, they kind of compare the the the. the you know, they, they compare the, the real to the dollar, right? So even if like, say inflation is flat, but like it's the real is depreciating against the dollar and it's like, oh, I can't buy as much stuff when I go to the US. So you feel poorer, even though like in Brazil terms, you're still the same. So I, I understand the reason why there's 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 a lot of validity for for having a USD peg stable coin. But what you're saying is that there's actually kind of this untapped demand for uh, real peg stable coins. And um, we'd love to kind of just unpack here, like what's what exactly is the value proposition? What's the the business case for uh, for this? Uh, maybe Mateos, if you want to take that question, and then Lucas, if you want to chime in. Right. So basically, a lot of it, it's common for crypto native and people from the traditional markets to look at crypto only as 
with the lens of investments, right? So if you think about investments, it's of course you have to think that the great use case for stablecoin is to dollarize the world and give everyone opportunity to keep your money in dollars, right? But the real life, uh, when you look with business lens, uh, this is not the way we everyone should do business, right? Because we spend our money with other things than investment. And in Brazil, everyone spends their money in reais. Uh, everyone in crypto and from traditional finance are used to, to think about crypto using only the investment lens, which basically means... The main goal of a stable coin is to dollarize the world and give everyone the opportunity to make dollar investments. But in reality, if, if you use business lens, most people don't use dollars to do day-to-day -day transactions in Brazil. So if you want to reach people to sell products uh, using blockchain infrastructure, you have to be able to settle in reais. This is why we believe that creating a native real on-chain is good for bringing innovation to Brazil. Every company that we spoke with in Brazil that was innovating crypto had creating a stable coin in the pipeline to solve this problem. Also, when we went outside of Brazil uh, and we spoke to companies, why don't you come to Brazil, bring your products to Brazil? What they said to us is it's very hard to create to connect to Brazilian banking infrastructure. I have to regulate myself, I have to partner with a bank, a payments company, an FX bank, a compliance provider, and with an exchange to exchange reais for crypto. So basically they have to orchestrate four or five APIs and connections and technology integrations, which is very hard. So what we did was we went to the right, to this right, to this like tough path of connecting with all those players, being a regulated entity in Brazil, uh, pending regulations that Lucas said. And now by Connected to our stablecoin, which, which which is a simple on-chain connection, everyone can connect to Brazilian banking system in a very simple and compliant way. So we are trying to bring innovation uh, from outside to Brazil. Uh, Brazil is a country of 200 million people with a lot of crypto activity uh, and with a great regulation that probably will be a tailwind for attracting crypto companies. But if they don't have this bridge, it will be very hard for them to establish themselves an operation here. So we, are, we want to be this bridge for every Web3 crypto-friendly company operating in Brazil without any headaches. Uh, so no, if, if I could just add something, I think like one thing doesn't absolutely substitute the other. I think, you know, just like the real world, there still is like a bunch of, there'll always be dollar. Well, I mean, for the time being, there'll always be dollar use cases. And I think both things will coexist like eventually, especially if like other things like cross border. But definitely like I still think like the, the USD denominated stable coins do have a important part in the industry and always will. But I just think both things can, you know, they, they can they can walk hand in hand, no problem. And then maybe walk us through some practical like business cases of of like how would this be used, you know, in the field essentially. Uh, like, what are the what are the profiles of of customers that might use this? Whether it be like an exchange, or whether it be like a DeFi platform, or whether it be, you know, like a mom and pop merchant, uh, the guy selling you know coconuts on the side of the road, or whatever. Uh, like, who are the types of people that would that would use this in reality? Great, I think there's a lot. Those three use cases are are potential ones. So, for example, 
We have one DeFi protocol that uses to onboard Brazilian client. Their the company is uh, incorporating in British Virgin Islands, and they basically use us as uh, embedded crypto for their platform. So it's on and off ramp. Uh, Brazilians send them reais, receive BRLA, and they can buy those the, their products. So this is one. Uh, the so other how one that, is an so exchange. Oh, okay, just, can I just pause on that really quick? So so it's like okay, if I would I send them, would I send that platform like a Pix transaction or something, and then it would be converted, and then in my wallet on this app on this on this protocol, I would have BRLA. Uh, so basically, it's like Pix. Picks convert. I'm, I can send the funds directly from my bank account, basically, and it shows up uh, via Picks. Yes. Okay. Yes, a B two B two C experience. So with BRLA, you can buy those company products, which are basically uh, almost ETF. Um. So, and then Mateus, you had mentioned uh, about the exchange use case. Why don't you tell us a bit more about that? Yes, sure. We are, for example, we are working with Exchange for Philippines to help them spend the operations to Brazil because, again, to do that, they would probably need 12 months planning and a bunch of consultants. Uh, but, but by using BRLA, they can do that in two months, just integrating with our APIs uh, and and accelerating their time to market and doing this in a very simple way for the clients as well. It's just send the pics. We will receive an exchange. You can trade using BRLA pairs or even doing swaps on their platforms. Uh, th that's it. So that's basically, we can do that for a DeFi protocol and also for an exchange, but also for merchants as well. Uh, we are working with some other partners to empower Argentinian merchants to receive pics from Brazilian tourists. So imagine a Brazilian go there, buy some stuff for an merchant, pay with Pix using any bank they want. The merchant will receive BRLA. They can hold that until they have uh, expanding need and they will transform this BRLA into ARS, which are their currency and pay there. They don't need to receive money ARS, which is very hard for to, to change for other currencies. They can receive uh, don't internalize money in Argentina, maintain outside Argentina in BRLA or USDC, and then only transform when they need to, to spend their, this money. So this is also a use case that we are exploring. Okay, great. And then, um, Lucas, do you have anything else you want to add on just the use case front? Are there any other uh, kind of maybe verticals of, of types of uh, potential customers who would use this. So great. I, I think like um, if you if you could just get what Mateo said, and if you could divide BRLA Digital, I guess into like I'd say three main products. So so our first our first main solution uh, uh, would be I guess typical on and off ramping. So so basically we can help any company who'd like to plug into Brazil and process Brazilian users. You know we're like you mentioned, Aaron. We're connected to the Brazilian picks. We can process anything from BRL to BRLA or to USDC or to USDT. Uh, so you know we've we've had a couple of like just typical uh, use cases that's like a, a pretty pretty much no-brainer we have some pretty competitive pricing just given you know we know how to do business in our background so i guess that's one of the things um the second thing would be uh, and what mateus said is something that we offer which is called our business account so so what mateus had said was you know any any foreign company which is uh, a little bit crypto friendly uh and wishes to do 
some sort of business in Brazil. It's just like, you know, it's, you know, we're in Brazil. It's, we know the, the size of the headache it is. Um, and so he has to come, he has to build a regulated entity. He has to open a bank account. He has to talk to lawyers, accountants. He has to have KYC, so on and so forth. And so what we do here is basically we have a, a solution, which is either a powered by APIs or B has a more UX, uh, 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 friendly solution, which is you can plug into our solution and we can process all of your payments for you. So if you want to access Brazil, all you have to do is, you know, we'll do a Nora client on, on, on the final business and he can process picks in and out. He can, you know, sell products. He can pay service providers. And we do all of, I, I'd say like all of the hard part. So, you know, we can process, like I mentioned, the picks, we can do the KYC, we can do the FX. So you can think of us as kind of like a, a one-stop shop for any foreign company who looks to do business in Brazil, but doesn't actually want to, you know, have the headache of opening a local entity because we do it all for them. So, so, so I, I'd say like, this is the second use case, which is what I wanted to just reinforce. Cause in this case, I think there's like, we already have a couple of clients and here you can have kind of like anything. So if you think about it, an exchange can use this solution, not only to onboard clients and for the trading, but also if you know you have affiliates to pay, if you have service providers to pay or receive money from service providers, if you need to do KYC, you can use this, this our, our solution. If you're some other sort of Web3 related or friendly company, you can also use this solution. So I'd say we have like this, this business account just helps like companies do business in Brazil in a more seamless fashion. And like what Mateus mentioned, it's plug and play. Like literally in like uh, in a couple of hours, you're ready to operate here in brazil and the third thing is our stable coin which is uh powers the other two solutions but you know what we love doing is uh thinking about solutions using our stable coin but also offering our stable coin to like all of these business owners which have like some pretty cool ideas and just start like building on top of our stable coin so either doing you know DeFi products or trading pairs which is a little bit more basic but also do thinking about remittances thinking about you know uh cross-border transactions thinking about what you can actually build on top of our stable coin infrastructure and that's also pretty exciting so I, i'd say like if i could just divide three solutions that would be it and, and that's kind of some other use cases that we're also saying okay very cool very cool and and then maybe just um to kind of draw some, you know, maybe some just help give some extra color to what you guys are building just by way of comparison. Uh, there's a few other like Brazilian, Brazilian real peg stable coins on the market right now. So you have like BRZ from Transfero, uh, Mercado Bitcoin, I believe has one. And I think both of there's, there's kind of a world of difference in traction between some of these products, but there's, you know, maybe just kind of explain how does yeah. what you guys are building here differ from what has already been launched and is already on the market? And, and like, why does, I guess, why does Brazil need another, uh, sure. Real peg stablecoin. Yeah, I, I guess I have one point, and then Matos can just just, just compliment. But uh, you know, we 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 know the guys at Mercado Bitcoin pretty well. We know the guys over Transfero. They've all done some you know pretty awesome work, uh, uh, pay, especially paving the way for for the other emerging uh, stablecoins. But I guess I'd say like one of the main things is just uh, we we avoid conflicts of interest in the sense that we don't have our own exchange, so. Uh, we don't really have like this conflict of having competitive business, right? Because I, I guess w one of the things is, you know, if I have my own stablecoin, but I also have my other own exchange, I also have my own OTC, I also have my own, you know, you name it. It's it, 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 it's it's tough, right? Like like how can I convince like a competitive mind to use my own stablecoin? So uh, uh, I guess that's like one of the first things I just mentioned was, uh, you know, we 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 we, and that's one of the things we 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 started off with was, you know, we should really do something which doesn't have any sort of conflict of interest with our clients. And that's kind of like, like where we, where we launched from. Um. 
Yeah, and in terms of technology, also as we spoke, we focus a lot of on business. So for this, we have to build uh, robust and very high uh, performance APIs to to conduct our business. So I think in the technology side, in terms of uptime and other SLAs, we are very very sharp in terms of technology and. And also we chose to be local as well as as company and to be regulated under the umbrella of virtual asset service providers in the future. So we maintain a very high standard of uh, transparency and matching of supply in on-chain against off-chain uh, real money. Uh, we are about to, to start getting audited just a circle uh, is doing so I think that those are the main difference I, I, I should say okay and then let's talk a bit about just your overall business model here like so like how do you guys make money I guess would be the first question and then um, you know as far as the reserves on the stable like how like how are you backing the coin um, I mean you guys kind of employing the standard model of I mean I guess there's mul- there's multiple different ways of doing this from just you know one to one with with fiat currency you know vir- purchasing you know treasury bills that kind of thing. Um, talk a bit about how you guys are are just ensuring uh, that it's it's back, everything's backed and is liquid. Uh, so yeah, uh, whoever wants to take that one. Okay, so basically we have like three types of banks that we work with to in our day to day operations. The first one is our operations bank that touch, don't touch our reserves. It's just for our company's needs. Uh, we have our transactional banks, which are banks that we are, are heavy in technology and API that we use to conduct minch and burn process, receive and send money in real time. And then we, ha- we have our reserve banks, banks AAA like Itaú, BTG Pactual, Bradesco, banks that we only use to keep our, reserve, uh, our reserves there invested in treasury bills. So we are not even uh, taking the bank risk into account here. Uh, in Brazil, we have this pretty solid treasure market that can settle in the same day, different from the US. So basically what happens is we can have 95% of our reserves in treasure bills and only 5% of our reserves in cash to day-to-day operations, different from what what is the standard for Circle, for example. But this is the way we think it's the most uh, boring one, and for for us, boring is the sexy when we're talking about stablecoin to maintain our peg and to have the collateral under under uh, very high standard of security. Got it, got it. So so essentially, you guys are able to liquidate uh, treasury bonds within like a day, essentially. Whereas yeah. in the U.S., I think I think it's still like what like T plus three for for I, yeah I T, T plus two. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and and it's funny because just just if I could add something like and we see you know we spoken we know the guys over at Circle pretty well and we speak to guys in the U.S. and and we explain the pick system and we explain the daily liquidity for government bonds and like no one actually believes that exists like how how come how can you like transact like real time for free so 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 yeah so it's pretty insane and I guess it's the best of worlds for our users because again like Mateo said you know we have liquidity immediate liquidity we can honor payments pretty fast we won't have like the circle problem with silicon valley bank but it's also a challenge for any company in brazil that wants to do a coin because we don't have the luxury of having you know two or three 
buffer days to deliver capital. So we do have to be pretty sharp in the sense that, you know, we have to be able to pay our user uh, and we have picks working for and against us in this case, right? We can't be like, oh no, it's four days to liquidate. Uh, uh, so it's, it's it, we also have to have some pretty sharp systems, which we have in place, obviously. Um, I just wanted to, you know, add, add on that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That, that's helpful color. And I think, um, you know, the world of sort of like stable coin reserve treasury management is like this whole like kind of weird like rabbit hole that, you know, I think most people don't really have any idea of how it actually works or like what the, even the business model of a stable coin issuer is or all the kind of operation. You have to be very operationally sharp to be able to, you know, preserve to ensure that you're, 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 you're liquid at all times. And we obviously saw what happened in March uh, with, with Circle and whatnot. And, um, and obviously, yeah, like the picks is kind of working for you and against you because everything becomes more instantaneous. And also the, the expectation among the Brazilian consumer is that everything is going to be instantaneous now as well, because, you know, every transaction is, is like instant, instant, right? So it's like, what do you mean you have to wait four days? You know, (laughs) that's way too long. Um, so, um, I wanted to talk a bit more about, um, just kind of like stablecoin usage in Brazil in general, and, and maybe even maybe even kind of broaden out this, this theme to include a bit more of just like the value proposition of just non-dollar peg stable coins generally, because, um, you know, just worldwide, like you, you really haven't seen a whole lot of uptake of non-dollar peg stable coins. Like there's like circle has a digital Euro, which is, I, mean, I guess I haven't really checked the numbers on it, but it doesn't, you know, I haven't really heard much about it since they launched it. Um, obviously the BRZ stable coin had, uh, I believe at one point it was the largest non-dollar peg stable coin, uh, uh, you know, out there until, you know, maybe a year ago or so. Um, but like, there doesn't really seem to be a huge, like demand for this sort of thing. And, and I guess I'm, you know, I'm just, it almost kind of feels like, you know, sort of like that joke, like there's like, you know, you have a Chicago school economist who's like walking down the street and they see a hundred dollar bill on the floor, on the ground, you bend over to pick it up. And it's like, that can't be real. Right. So if it was a real thing, someone else would have picked it up already. Right. And you know, so I'm just kind of, I would like to get your thoughts on just, you know, what, what do you see as the value proposition here of, of dollar, of non-dollar peg stable coins, particularly in Brazil? And like, is this a model that could be extrapolated to other markets? And, um, you know, and, and is, is maybe like the current uh, uh, dominance of dollar peg stable coins really kind of a function of that investment narrative that we were talking about earlier, where it's, it's really more of people trying to get out of their, you know, day-to-day currencies and into dollars. Uh, and less, it's less about kind of the utility of like, how can you sort of, where it seems like the value proposition of what you guys are providing, like, I don't think anyone's going to, you know, buy BRLA to like protect, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to hold my BRLA, I'm going to hold my Reals in, in BRLA form instead of fiat form, but it's really more of like a conversion and like a, in a, in a, on an off ramp mechanism to, to just provide additional utility to the, to the broader, you know, kind of crypto ecosystem. Um, Anyways, I've been rambling here, but would love to get your thoughts on, on these questions to whoever wants to start. So I think I can start uh, looking more at the top-down level, but it's basically because of what I said before, uh, crypto is a very heavy on investments. And we started with the builders being economists, uh, very deep tech guys or very or people from the traditional finance that we're building things to speculate. And because of that, there was, wasn't a place for non-USD stable coins. You don't need that if you are only thinking about investments. But in, in this next cycle, with the start of this bear market, we are seeing a lot of people building in crypto to create products and using blockchain as rails for doing 
things better in the traditional sense. So trying to convince people to interact with, with blockchain, but because you give them a value proposition and not because you have to convince them that money will end or something like that. Uh, they, they, they don't even need to know that they are interactive blockchain. So when you start to conduct business on-chain and the on-chain economy of, of real stuff and not only trading and investment start picking up, I think we're going to need non-USD stablecoin to be the settle of money as we have in any country that, uh, that works with other currencies than the dollar. But especially in Brazil, uh, I think that is a place to improve uh, improve a lot of things under the cross-border transaction space. We have a lot of big hurdles in FX, cross-border transactions, payments, and it's very hard for a global company to open a bank account and receive and hold BRL. Uh, and this is something that a stablecoin can solve in, in the first day operating, right? So we believe that especially in Brazil, we have this huge use case because real is a currency that is very difficult to interact with, different from the dollar. Uh, but if you look at the world, a lot of companies, big companies like Wise, eBanks, DLoco, those companies have a bunch of cash in many places of the world to handle cross-border transactions in a fake instant because they only can do the transaction instant because they have cash, but it's a fake instant way to do transactions. Uh, there is a lot of uh, inefficient to have those amount of cash uh, stopped in many places. And with, if imagine a world with a lot of non-USD stable coins, that would be a no-brainer to, to do only by what, with the technology that we already have, right? Oracles to get the price and decentralized exchange to do the swaps. So we believe that this world will change dramatically the globalization across countries and also the speeding of moving money across countries as well. It's something like a global PIX, but not provided by any central bank, but in a decentralized manner. Right. So, yeah. so you mentioned that just really quick, Lucas. So, so you mentioned that like the, the, the real is, is, is difficult to handle. It's a difficult currency to sort of, to come in and out of, uh, for global companies. And, and obviously, I mean, it's, it's, it's a soft currency, you know, quote unquote, soft currency. And in terms of, you know, how currencies are classified, like it's not like a reserve currency, but is there anything like inherently difficult, like, you know, anything inherently different about the real versus like another perhaps emerging market currency that makes it, you know, harder or easier or harder to get in and out of? Yes, because, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some currencies that you it's easy to open a bank being an offshore uh, entity, right? It's easy for, for us to open a bank account in Europe, in some places in Europe, and having a Euro-denominated bank account. But to do that in Brazil, it's almost impossible. You almost need to open a local entity and go... Uh, have boots on the ground in Brazil to have a current uh, BRL denominated bank account. And to do that, we will f you will face a lot of uh, regulations and something that you, uh, a lot of burdens that you need to handle. You have at least you have a team locally. So it's very hard to do that using BRL, the, the fiat money. 
But with a stablecoin, it's very easy to have a wallet that can handle a stablecoin, right? You just have to open a MetaMask, uh, or if you want to be more fancy, create a ledger or some MPC technology. But as to to hold stablecoin is very easy, and as oh. our stablecoin have speak have peaks powers, so you can receive stablecoin by traditional rails transactions and send in the same way. So we in with BRLA, it's very now it's very easy to interact with Brazil. Of course, you have to be crypto, not crypto native, but at least crypto friendly and and understand a, a little bit about crypto. But this is something we are trying to to put in the background as well, right? And maybe in some someday in the future we'll be we will be able to interact with non crypto native companies in a way they, that they are not even knowing that they are interacting with crypto, but they are doing stuff in a much better and simpler way and cheaper as well than by going to other channels. Got it. Got it. And Lucas, I had cut you off earlier. Did you want to add anything on this point? Yeah, no, uh, I was, I was only going to mention like on that other, like just whole emerging stablecoin thing. Uh, um, I just want to mention that, you know, so we're part of a group called stablecoin standard, which is pretty interesting. So basically it's this group, which joins a couple of like emerging market uh emerging markets not emerging market but emerging like market stable coins um and and i guess the, the big denominator with them and the big denominator with all the people we're speaking to is this cross-border disruption of the swift system and of other systems so that's like one general denominator for for like emerging stable coins i'd say it's like like how is it exactly what matthews mentioned which is how do you settle uh amongst all of these all of these emerging countries so uh and again and and and, and i don't know enough about like deep diving but uh, in particular countries but you know i know that there's a a, a very large stable coin in singapore uh indonesia i know that there's a canadian dollar a bunch of aero guys popping up uh i know in the middle east there's one and we're actually we actually uh, uh partnering up with 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 uh, uh a blockchain uh called uh ripple to do something more cross border like and and they have a couple of partners as well in africa with with emerging stablecoins so it's all pretty interesting for the for the emerging market sense you know it's it's for the especially for the cross border and that that's super interesting i think that's that's a story that i'm hoping to you know see a lot more reporting on coming out over the next few years cuz i think that's super interesting and it's um, you know, the, the world's focused on Sam Bankman Freed right now, but like there's, you know, real stuff going on in these markets, right? Like um, real deployment of the technology. Um, and I want to just ask you guys quickly here about uh, just stablecoin usage in Brazil in general. Uh, just with with the Heisei Federal numbers over the last like six months or so, there's just been like this massive uptake in uh, particularly USDT reporting. And um, I don't know if it's a question of like, there's just, the amount of usage is just skyrocketing or maybe more people are just reporting that they're using it. Um, but it's something like 80% of the entire volume of crypto that's being reported. Uh, so I think last for, for most recent month for July, I think it was something like 3 billion worth of like USDT transactions. I'm just, just wondering like, do you guys have any visibility into like what's driving this? Like who's like, who's, I mean, is this, is this just, is this investments? Is this people making crossword payments? Like what, like what's driving all this activity? That, that's a good question. I think uh, first we do see a lot of uh, denomination of crypto in Tether inside centralized exchanges and decentralized as well. So 
this is something that pops to mind when we see those these volumes. But of course, uh, there is a lot of volume outside exchanging those numbers as well that 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 are also big. And other thing that we know that some companies are doing and generates a lot of volume is on the sports gambling side, like betting. Uh, there's a lot of companies based on Gibraltar, Curaçao, Malta, other countries that have re proper regulations on those, on those subjects that they collect money in Brazil using PICS and then they settle from time to time to their matrix operations using USDT because they are used to it. And also because they have to pay a lot of providers around the world. So it's better for them to receive USDT and paying simply than receiving USD, uh, which is weird for most people, but makes a lot of sense for them. Uh, so we, we also believe that, uh, that, that there's a lot of money on, on this front as well. And of course, we heard a lot of, about, a lot of uh, people talking about remittances in USDT, but it's, it's hard for me to understand why it would be much better in Brazil because today we have this regulation around FX banks that I don't know if uh, remittance using the FX banks and USDT can be a much more competitive than the traditional ones. But for mm -hmm. companies that I use it to handle with USDT, like the sport betting, makes a lot of sense to, to prefer this channel than the others. Interesting. Um, and then... I know you guys had recently, you guys went to Token 2049 in, in Singapore uh, a few weeks ago or back in September. And uh, I know you guys, you know, had a, a pretty solid week of like just meeting, you know, trying to kind of evangelize the Brazil market and just and really looking for, you know, new prospective customers. And I uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on what was that experience like? What's the the interest in the Brazil market or, or, or in, in, and what was kind of the response to the the solutions you guys have built what kind of what kind of product market fit are you seeing you know Sing singapore was a very interesting week for us we got to know a bunch of of of, of, of very interesting you know people and prospects on, on a high level uh surprised us just the sheer amount of people just doing business uh it was it was so full and you wouldn't even you know suspect that you were in a in a market you know in a down market in crypto uh but what caught our attention and unfortunately it's the truth like a lot of people didn't know much about brazil yet so you kind of had like some just particular points on, you know, oh, I know that the central bank is doing some pretty interesting things. I know that the Brazilians like crypto, but still like there's a lot of just like people just browsing around, but not actually coming to Brazil. And so that was it was actually pretty fun to meet a couple of other Brazilians there. And we're all just looking at each other like we have to bring all of these people to brazil because they have absolutely <laughs> no idea the opportunity they're missing uh and that goes from exchanges to like all of the other DeFi and web3 companies so it was very it was a very good starting point i mean the, the sheer amount of people that we met was was, was amazing uh, uh there's gonna be a, a couple of other events next year which we want to go to but i think that you know and, and and i can't go into too much detail here but it's something that me mateos and some other brazilian players have been thinking about perhaps doing something together and in a more institutional sense, going together to these events and just 
planting the Brazil flag in a in a, in a more organized way, uh, just because again it's it's just so many people and you really don't stand out like 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 there's just like so much going on. So we have to do something in a either via side events, which is something you did right, Aaron, in in consensus uh, in the beginning of the year in the middle of the year, which was awesome by the way. Uh, I think doing something more more organized would be very beneficial for for like the Brazilian ecosystem as a whole. Uh, but we're getting there. I mean, it was it was the first it was the first you know first foot forward. Uh, but it was it was it was an amazing trip, and 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 hopefully we'll have a couple of other ones uh next year as well amazing um well anyway well that concludes my questions but want to just turn it back to both of you for any final thoughts and uh you know how can folks get back get in touch with you if they want to learn more if they want to reach out uh but uh mateus any final thoughts and then uh, lucas will close with you okay I, I think one thing that was uh surprise surprised me on token but i i am thinking there's a lot recently as we as Brazil is ahead of the curve in terms of innovation, uh, financial innovation, like we have picks, uh, the drags pilot is very well done and, and the drags will be a, a great innovation as well. And, and we also have a upcoming regulation of virtual asset service providers coming. The central bank is very pro business here. And we are a big country with a lot of economic activity. And those factors should put Brazil on the front of crypto innovation and on the top tier A list of countries to go of every crypto company. Uh, but we do have to do our job of spreading this word. So it's a great time to be a builder in Brazil in, in this space, in this Web3 arena. And I think we are going to have a lot of tailwinds from companies trying to come here and do business here because we are doing almost everything in the in, right, at least relative to other countries. So I guess uh, I'm very excited for what, what is to come. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, I, you know, I share the same sentiment as, as Mateus. I, I mean, you could feel just, just like what I had mentioned earlier, right? You explain picks to the, to the, to some, some, some people from, from outside Brazil and they don't actually believe like, uh, how, how does this exist? Right. So, so the, you know, Brazil has all its problems, but there's like these little specks of hope and, 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 you know, and, and, and opportunity. Uh, but I, I think, you know, it, it, it's, it's just that I think now's the, the time that we've, we've been seeing, I guess, and, and in token 2049 as well, less speculation and more, I'd say, like hard work and, and building. So, so that was really impressive. Like that, that was really cool to see. And I think Brazil has everything, uh, like always, to, you know, embrace it and, and, and bring it home and just like be the capital of, 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 of crypto. And, and we actually spoke to this a couple of like two, three years ago with a person. And he was like, you know, I wanted Brazil to be the capital of crypto. And we sort of thought it was a joke, but you know, the way things are panning out, I don't see why, why, why it has to be like, you know, Dubai or, or why it has to be some other place. I think Brazil has everything to have some pretty good, uh, uh, you know, crypto uh, prospects. And, and, and then just to finalize here, you know, if, if anyone wants to reach out, we, you know, you can reach out via our website. So it's brla.digital or if you're a little bit more traditional, brla.com.br, both work. You know, you can follow our pages on LinkedIn, on Twitter, and on Instagram. Um, and if you're, you know, if you're, if, if anyone's a 
Web3 friendly company, wants to build in Brazil, need ramp solutions, want to build on a, on a, on a, on a regulated and transparent stablecoin, you know, feel free to reach out to us. You know, we're more than excited to help uh, a projects grow. And, you know, one of the things that drives us absolutely mad in a good sense is like we have so many different use cases like approaching us and, and just really cool projects, really different. Like, hey, I'm doing this. I need a stable coin. So like we're, we're actually like as an infrastructure provider, we're seeing all of these projects going on. So obviously it's a tokenization and all the traditional stuff. There's also some really crazy like out of the curve uh, interesting projects which are coming to us. And we're like, you know, if these guys do this, it's like going to it's an innovate like X market or Y market like completely. So it's, 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 you know, it, of course it's sad that Bitcoin and Ethereum is down, but like, if you look at the building side of it, it's like really exciting. It's a really interesting time to be like building in crypto. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're very well said. Uh, well, Mateus and Lucas, I really appreciate your time. It's great having you both on the show here and uh, thanks everyone for listening and we will catch you next time. Thanks so much, Aaron. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Everyone.